10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits. Culver is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. And we welcome you once again to the Second to None Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Matt and Brad with you coming off Hall of Honor weekend. A banquet kind of kicked it off mm-hmm. on Friday night. It was the Hall of Honor banquet, which I always look forward to. It's one of my favorite events to be a part of every year. And the last couple of podcasts we had, we had really nice interviews with a couple of the inductees that went in this past Friday night. Corey Leonard and Cleo Lemon. They both had great acceptance speeches the other night, but also got to see Corey Williams yep. and Marissa Martinek go into the Hall of Fame. Just thought it was a really nice event. And, you know, all of these inductees came in from out of state to be a part of this event. Well, except for Corey Williams, right? Because Corey Williams. That's is, right. You know, here's his deal he's a Camden kid. Who got came from Camden to Arkansas State, uh-huh. then went from Arkansas State to nine years in the NFL, had a really good NFL career, and took the family and went right back to Camden. Yeah, that's cool. They've gone back to Camden. Still, it had been a while since yes. all four of them had been back here to Jonesboro. And I know you put this out on social media the other night, but after the event, after the banquet, and that all went really nice. I know you were able to take them through the football facility. And I can only imagine, just in the time they've left Jonesboro until now, how shocked they were just to see (laughs) that facility. And look, people see it and don't even go into the football facility. And they're thinking, man, this looks really nice. But they got to walk through it. What were their reactions? You know, it started just by being in that club level, right? And then taking the four honorees their families uh, and Oren O'Neill who was also in town that's right he was uh, there I had gotten a chance to sort of play a pretty active role in getting Oren back and it all started from him doing my show a couple of months back before we left and he wanted to come uh, he tried to get to homecoming but then wanted to come to this because he played some at the beginning of his career with Corey Williams and the end of his career with Corey Leonard so he was teammates with both those guys sort of bridge the gap in between so anyway took the four honorees their families and Oren along with Ron Carroll we we took them through the facility and it was just just for even being on the field they were just sort of just looking around in amazement and then to get inside it was uh, it was kind of fun to just see their jaws drop really from a sports medicine standpoint Corey and and Oren and Cleo too get the the careers they had how many different parts of that they said were as good or better than the facilities they had in the NFL sports medicine the weight room this Hmm. that the locker room I mean I'll be honest with you I just about couldn't get them out of the locker room I can imagine it's as nice as any any locker room you'll ever go into to uh, to get them on to the rest of the tour because we, we hadn't even been to the team the auditorium yet and the heritage hall and there was there was more good stuff to see it, the tour really got bogged down in the locker room people they they just were just standing around looking just in, in amazement and another thing was interesting 
as it ended, everybody was kind of able to go out the front door of the facility because it was closer to their car. So Corey Leonard and his family had left, and Corey Wiz and his group left, and Oren and you know Marissa Martinek and Chris James, her former coach, went to because yeah, he hadn't see seen him. it. I'd noticed, and I had already noticed, we had sort of had lost Cleo Lemon somewhere along the way. Even though his family was around, he wasn't really with the group. So everybody leaves, and Ron Carroll and I are walking back down to go to the ground floor and out the tunnel and you know, make sure everything's shut and locked up the way it should be. And we find Cleo Lemon on that floor just walking back through this place, just shooting video of everything by himself, just walking around with his phone, just shooting video of his facility and walking down the tunnel and out to the field, and just videoing the whole thing. He, he'd gotten off by himself and just wanted to kind of capture the whole deal. Well, that's neat. Yeah. I mean, he, he was taken in the moment. And I can only imagine just the thoughts that were going through his head and what, 25 years since he arrived at Arkansas State and how much this place has changed. So really neat you were able to do that after the banquet the other night and, and just a, a really cool night on Friday. And that kind of kicked off everything that went on this past weekend. Of course, the game Saturday, Red Wolves hosted James Madison and Coach Jones had talked about it all week long, dating back to his press conference on Tuesday. He kind of opened up that press conference by saying, look, this is a really complete football team. And he used that word a lot throughout the course of the week. And I think that's a really accurate statement after seeing what we did on Saturday night and give all the credit in the world to JMU. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've been on top of the FCS ranks for a very long time was hoping there'd be a little bit of a transition period to the FBS, but you look at the Associated Press poll this week, and they're ranked 25 after five games on the FBS level. They're a perfect 5-0. and oh. You know, they've got the number one total defense in the country, number one rush defense, and, oh, their offense is also <laughs> averaging 45 points a game. That was a really good team we saw the other night, but, hey, it was a one-score game with 10 minutes to go. Yeah, what I think we've seen is that uh, that gap between you know the top, those championship contenders at FCS, and then being able to make the move to FBS, that's not as big a leap as it used to be. It's not near as big a leap as it was when Arkansas State made it. We talked about that with Cleo a little bit last week, trying to do it as an independent. Yeah. Uh, makes it so much tougher. Other teams we saw early on in the Sunbelt days make that move and really struggle. But later, when you when they've made the choices of bringing championship quality FCS teams to this, you've seen them be able to plug in and, and be able to compete back with you know App and you know Georgia Southern and and Coastal and they'd run down the different ones and now James Madison you know, they were able to come in you know, all of a sudden this whole going from sixty five to eighty five on scholarship is not as daunting a task. The portal helps that too. To, sure. to be able to do that but even prior to that i mean this was a championship quality fcs program that's that's made the step right in and is seeing instant results there were a lot of question marks going into the game saturday as far as the offensive line beat up group didn't know if mckeelan thomas would be able to go at left tackle jordan rhodes was a big question mark at right guard and trying to play through it they both started they were both able to go it it was interesting kind of out of the gate we talked about how good that james madison offense was but the a-state defense shut them out for the first 22 minutes or so it was three nothing at one point midway through the second quarter but james madison scores twice they're up 14 to three at the half 
Red Wolves had a good drive to start the second half, but had to settle for a field goal. You're down 14-6. to It's a one-score game, but we've seen it so many times. These are the kind of games you can't afford to settle for field goals. You need those touchdowns. That and then, you know, the number of times we got it to eight and then couldn't get a stop. And then the one time we did, right, there was a point in the second half. It was an eight-point game. You get the stop, and then we go pretty quick three and out you know right after that and listen all the credit to james madison because we all get so guilty if we only view the game through the scope of our team either we won or we lost or we're good or we're not the other team had a whole whole lot to do with what happened saturday night and i mean people want to talk about your question why you're running this play or that play well if you don't have time to run a play it doesn't really matter a whole lot what you call on offense if that defense is good enough to not give you time to run any of it. It, again, comes back to that. It comes back to just how well James Madison played the other night. Yeah, it's 14-6, to though. James Madison comes right back. They go up two scores again. It's just a pattern there in that second half. They go up two scores. Red Wolves were able to come back. Great throw and catch. James Blackman to Jeff Foreman from 13 yards out. Need stands to the left of the quarterback, James Blackman. Four-man rush for JMU. Blackman looking right side. This ball is caught. Touchdown, Jeff Foreman. A leaping grab. That cut it to 21-13. to James Madison goes up two scores again. Red Wolves answer right back. Tavalence Hunt made a great catch. To set up first and goal, went up at, at the four-yard line, made a fantastic catch. Then on the very next play, he's in the end zone. He stayed inside that Case IH red zone. They fake the handoff, throw it over the middle, caught, touchdown to Valence Hunt. And the Red Wolves are an extra point away from getting back to within one score with 10-21 remaining in the fourth. And then again, I mean, there's 10 minutes left. It's a one-score game, but... At that point, James Madison's offensive line had just worn them down. And it was so tough to stop what they were trying to do. Then a turnover after that. And, you know, the final score ends up being 42 to 20. I thought James Blackman played a a really solid game, 16 of 26 for 247 and two touchdowns. But he was sacked six times. And, again, you see those situations where the Red Wolves are in – second and long third and long it's just tough to get out of that against a really good defense it's the simplest thing is that for no matter how razzle dazzle offenses get and right and and they're probably i think offenses got spread so far out wide and now they're they're starting to actually come back in a little bit i think overall from an offensive standpoint but no matter what Football still won or lost at the line of scrimmage almost every time, and James Madison was really good there on both sides of the ball. The Red Wolves are doing a real good job at protecting the football, and that's kind of been the theme throughout, but they're not getting any takeaways. And that's, uh, once again, no takeaways the other night. And I know that that's really frustrating for this A-State defense, which has done some good things. This is a defense that's light years better than what we saw at this time last year, but got to have those takeaways if you're going to win a game like that. Yeah, you need to steal a possession somewhere and just weren't able to. And then, you know, as they really, as you kind of in the late stages of that game, started to impose their will, like, right, I mean, you know, not only could you not get them off the field, but coming down the stretch, they seldom got to third down, to be honest with you. They just 
were able to move the ball, move the ball, and and uh, make that game probably not look as competitive as it was for basically the entire night. So the Red Wolves now two and four overall. They're one and two in conference play. They're going to be back on the road this week at Southern Miss. We'll preview that matchup a little bit later on. But coming up next, we're going to be joined in studio by the new deputy AD for development and revenue generation at Arkansas State. It's Brandon Cunningham coming up next. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We are pleased to welcome into the studio today the brand new Deputy AD for Development and Revenue Generation at Arkansas State. Brandon Cunningham, who, as we're recording this, had just come over from the men's golf tournament, the Bubba Barnett Intercollegiate over at Ridgepoint Country Club. And we were getting texts from Mark Taylor before you came over that you had enjoyed one of the, I guess, famous, semi-famous bologna sandwiches over there. Is that right? I was introduced to it, and uh, it definitely lived up to the hype. Everyone kept bringing out brown bags for the players with turkey wraps, and I kept looking to see when the grill was going to get ready for those bologna sandwiches. So, first off, welcome to Arkansas State. You've been here less than well a little over two months now right virtually I I started back in August in terms of in person I've been here since probably the first week of September so I'm now gone from counting into weeks and I'm counting it by months kind of like having a kid when you do months you know those (laughs) that first year and then he'll he'll be one and a half oh yeah oh yeah so I want to get into your story and how you got into all this stuff now you grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, correct? Correct. That is correct. Were you into sports at an early age? Yeah, so I played everything that my mom and dad would let me, mainly focused on basketball, baseball, golf, um, and then transitioned over to mainly playing golf and baseball. And then, you know, it's just something I've always been passionate about. Got a chance to play at the next level, fortunately. And, you know, it's it's been great ever since then. And being able to work with student athletes as part of my career is just something that's just a blessing. All right, so I'm going to try to connect these dots and maybe maybe start a family controversy in the process you said i played everything my parents would let me and then you rattle off a list of sports that didn't include football correct i wanted to play football my mom did not let me and mainly not not necessarily all her fault i was so into baseball and started picking up that career path. So I didn't really get a chance to probably devote as much time to it if I would have played. So would have liked to play football, but seeing all these guys competing and getting those injuries and getting their heads beat in every day wouldn't have been very good for me. (laughs) (laughs) No, you said you did get to play on the next level. That was in baseball at Transylvania University. Yes. If people are not from Kentucky, they probably don't know it. It's uh, if you if you're coming down in Lexington and you're going to UK's campus, you blink and you miss it. And we were NAIA my first year. And then we moved to Division three. And I like to joke that I had the rare experience where I was a pitcher in college, so I could tell my coach to push my start back 
if I had a 20 page political science paper and he couldn't do anything about it because I wasn't on athletic scholarship <laughs> at, the, at D3 at D3 D3 yeah yeah now it, it's interesting you brought up political science that was your undergrad correct yes yeah, so I did political science and uh, for a while you know wanted to go UK has a good diplomacy school um, I'd actually really wanted to go in that route and throughout the whole time growing up in high school I'd always worked around the University of Louisville, whether it be on the grounds crew, the marketing department, whatever I could do to make some extra money and do some different things outside of season and when I was home and uh, really didn't explore a whole lot until probably end of my senior year of college where I knew I wasn't good enough to play baseball at the next level, but you could still have a career working in athletics. And fortunately, Louisville's got a very good master's program in sport management. So um, I took a semester off, saved up a little money and went back for that and really kind of bounced around, knew I wanted to work in college and honed in on development, love talking to people, not afraid to ask for money. You know, that was kind of one of those things. It was a natural career path for me. I ought to, before you get to that realization, take me back to when a younger Brandon wanted to go the political science and diplomacy route. Like, what did you want that to lead to? So one of my good friends who has since not gone through diplomacy school, but has one, we were kind of on the same path where, you know, you could take it and where you could do a lot of different things. But basically I wanted to be a foreign diplomat for, hmm. you know, because really? you see these people that are, you know, paired in with different countries and that's kind of the career path that I wanted. I also had kind of looked at, I didn't want to go to law school. So, you know, teaching poli sci was something that, you know, was good at. I had a lot of really good professors that kind of guided that but really towards the end of it, working in athletics, I think part of it paired with, through my involvement in Louisville, a lot of these student athletes, they don't know where their scholarship comes from. They don't know that, you know, all of the people that are in the stands help pay donations to support them coming and be able to live out their dreams. So I think that's where the passion kind of flipped and, you know, wanted to work on the athletic side. Now, you're both new out there. So have you found yourself yet in a political science conversation with Dr. Todd Shields because that, that's <laughs> was, his background too. Yeah, he also he also lived in Lexington for a little bit so yeah. we were comparing some old college places but he was there a different time than I was but no I mean I think when you look at everything that comes with political science whether it's debates or being able to write papers or being able to speak in front of people all those tie into development and fundraising and Rarely does someone ask what your political affiliation is, but I ride the fence of whoever I'm visiting with. <laughs> well, it's interesting you get into that, and I'm glad Brad brought up Dr. Shields, our new chancellor. He's written several books on politics, but you combine those two degrees together, your undergrad in political science, your master's in sports administration, and... Yeah, I guess to some people on the outside looking in, you don't see a lot of parallels, but they they blend, I'm guessing, really well for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I find a lot of similarities in terms of, you know, interacting with people and being able to have a, a good correlation with kind of what your beliefs are and what you want to do. And I think it also helps you be a little bit more well-rounded to handle certain situations. I mean, obviously, you know, from a development standpoint, we have a very interesting concept and role within the athletic department because people can't pick up the phone and call the coach if they're upset with the way with the way that we played or you know if a certain play was called and someone disagrees with it but 
the phone's ringing and we're thankful for that. So, you know, that's where we need to kind of play both sides of it and make sure that I always joke that even though my degree was in political science, sometimes I feel like I'm a psychiatrist talking to people. <laughs> but you know what? I, I mean, we're I've, I've been fortunate to work at places where people care and um, I, I don't take that for granted. So I want to back up before we get too far away from it, because I had heard of it. And they said, if you, and then when you're working at Louisville, obviously they know. But as you got further from home, I mean, like, how many times do you have you found yourself having to explain Transylvania University just by the name alone? Yeah, some some people recognize it, but I'll I'll tell you a funny story. We um my junior year, and this is also the benefit of being a Division three athlete because no Division one coach would ever let you do this. Me and a couple of buddies on the team, we traveled, studied abroad in London for a semester. So we missed fall ball. We had to do our workouts, which we were playing long toss on, you know, Regent's Park in the middle of London. People probably didn't know what the heck we were doing in 2004 when it happened. But towards the end of the trip, we wanted to do some different sightseeing and go to different places. So one of us wanted to go to Rome. Someone else wanted to go, I think, somewhere else, like towards Switzerland. And I wanted to go to Greece. So we took, you know, a couple of weeks and talking to somebody uh, while we were on the train because, you know, you're in college, you're traveling on a Eurorail pass, you're sleeping in cars and hostels and all that stuff. One of the guys that we were with said, well, if y'all are on your way to Greece, you go right through Romania. You ought to check out Romania. So I'm like, yeah, sure, that sounds great. And they had just at the time, they had become a part of the European Union. So they were really liking the fact that people wanted to come and see their country. And for a bunch of college kids, you know, the, the conversion rate, it was very inexpensive to go there. So we went there, made us pit stop over, and we're actually touring Vlad the Impaler, Dracula's castle, wearing our Transylvania University baseball shirts <laughs> in the middle of Transylvania, Romania. And we were getting some looks and we we're like, yeah, wow. yeah, it's a it's a Division three school in Lexington, Kentucky. You guys probably wouldn't know, but thought yeah. it came from the gift shop. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a gift shop right over there. And, you know, if you have dollars, they'll take that, whatever their currency was at the time. <laughs> Uh, so you go to Louisville, you, you get your master's there. You were a GA for the Cardinal Athletic Fund. So I'm sure that was a, a really good experience for you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm from Louisville. My wife's from Louisville. Both of our parents still live there. Um, so growing up, she went to UK, but she wasn't that big of an athletics fan until she knew my career path and we got more serious. But I grew up a Louisville fan, so it was a dream for me to go there um, and get a degree and then obviously pursue my passion. And, you know, like I said earlier, I was kind of checking off different boxes on, you know, kind of where I wanted to go working in college athletics. And at the time I was there, they were expanding their football stadium and they were moving from Freedom Hall into the Yum Center downtown. Yeah. So it was a very interesting experience where I got to do a lot of things that I probably would not have gotten to do as an intern or a GA because they just didn't have the staff to sit there and say, well, hey, we need all these people selling suites in the new arena or there's new loge seats or whatever at, at the time, Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. So I was able to be thrown into the fire and really start selling, getting a lot of experience of what we probably wouldn't have had a lot of experience for someone nowadays. You look at that experience and you're there 2007, 2008, you get your master's and then you spent, what, eight? years at North Carolina State? Yeah. So um, Louisville, I was finishing up my GA position and um, I went down there to go watch them play NC State before they joined the ACC. It was a non-conference game and I took the time to stop over and, you know, kind of knew that my GA position was ending at, at Louisville as I was going to be graduating, but wanted to see how another school did it um, because obviously everyone has different donor bases and different fan bases and went down to NC State, met Bobby Purcell, who is 
we jokingly in the business, he's the godfather of fundraising. He's he's definitely been doing it a long time, has since retired recently, but got a chance to interview and talk to him. And then a position came open and did another paid internship through them. So, you know, GA position and then a paid internship. And then that breached into something full time there. And really, that's that's where I was able to cut my teeth and do a lot of different things. And I owe a lot to NC State. We haven't been back to Raleigh a whole lot since I've left, but we love Raleigh. So always have good, fond memories of NC State. And then the last five years, you were at West Virginia. You were the associate AD and deputy director for the Mountaineer Athletic Club. Tell us about that experience, what you were able to learn there. Yeah, two two completely different places. I mean, NC State's very grassroots, uh, strength in numbers, people giving what they can to for the better of the program to be successful. And West Virginia is very, very different. I mean, there's 1.7 million people in the entire state of West Virginia. Unfortunately, I, I think it's getting better, but the state's not really creating a lot of new jobs. Uh, so people have to leave the state. So really what I was able to do there is cut my teeth and visit you know, try to get people engaged that maybe are not in Morgantown or not in West Virginia, but really try to get them engaged in what we were doing and what we were selling there to try to help build that athletic department and build the program up to what it is. The history there is unbelievable. That's really the first time that I had really got to work and experience living in a true college town where on game day, there's more people in the stadium than there is population. (laughs) So that was a great experience. We will always be very, very passionate Mountaineer fans. It's it's very special place to see the whole state really rallying behind one team where there's not any professional programs. There's nothing there. So, so I'm going to skip because we're going to come back to getting to Arkansas State. Mm-hmm. But I want to go from where you just talked about to Arkansas State. And in a limited amount of time here, you talk about being different at, at different places. So kind of where have you seen Arkansas State kind of fitting in as opposed, from a fan base standpoint or how you got to go about conducting business? compared to these other places you've been? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest selling points of coming to Jonesboro and Arkansas State, I was ready to make a move at my career. It kind of hit my ceiling at West Virginia. And, you know, we had some things as a family that we wanted to do that had some boxes that it had to check on the personal side. Certainly Jonesboro checks a lot of those places. But one thing that I really looked at was the success that they've been able to attain here on a lot of different levels. You know, I'm leaving a, a golf tournament. I mean, everyone likes to talk about football. I'm leaving a golf tournament where our, our head golf coach has been, you know, finishing in the top half of the conference for the last, you know, four or five years. And, you know, you see success that has happened at every different level at every sport. And I think also with the trajectory of the Sunbelt Conference and Arkansas State being a staple in that, that's something that really resonated to me because, you know, to the point I mentioned earlier, that you want to go to a place where it's not a have-to job, it's a get-to job. Yeah. And, and I think that's what Arkansas State is. It, it's a place where they've had a lot of success and, you know, everyone talks about football. I've told this several donors since I've been here. Up until West Virginia renovated some of their operations buildings and some of their suites and premium spaces, Arkansas State had better facilities than West Virginia did in terms of nicer. Now, they may not be as big because of the size of the school and the different programs, but they're every bit as nice as some of the schools in the Big 12. So the fact that you're walking into that and you've already got that platform and that you know level of success that has been achieved, it's easier to get back to that than it is to build to that. You're new, but so is... The athletic director, Mm -hmm. Jeff Purinton, obviously hadn't been here very long when you were hired. So talk about that relationship and kind of going through the learning process at at a new school together right now. Yeah. So luckily, you know, (laughs) 
I took this job knowing who my boss was going to be. Jeff couldn't say that he did the yeah. same. <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we had never worked together. Uh, Jeff reached out to me back in June at one of the larger conferences that we have in our industry and kind of threw something out there and said, hey, I've talked to a couple people. I know you're kind of looking at some different things. And we stayed in touch. And as it got more serious, you know, and we, you know, I made the point of coming to Jonesboro. I'd never been in the state of Arkansas until I came here. So coming here and seeing everything and seeing what's currently here and hearing his vision for the program, there are a lot of similarities that he and I have. And coming from places where he's been, you know, you also look at stability. He's been at Florida State for a long time. He was at Alabama for a long time. It wouldn't have been any job that he would have left for. So that's what I look for. And then, you know, I, I told him when I came here, you know, you aren't just hiring me, you're hiring my family. I mean, that's a big, big part of how we've been from a strategy standpoint, trying to look at every opportunity that's come open in my career. And, you know, you see Julie and the girls at every single game. And whenever our house is finally sold in Morgantown, hopefully later this year, we're on track to sell in the middle of November. My family will be down here. They'll be seeing us at baseball games, football games, basketball games. We really want to be in the community because that is a very important part of this position and a very important part of the university. So I think all those things combined and, you know, just the fact that Jeff and I have a lot of same qualities and a lot of the same thoughts on how to go about achieving some of the things and implementing some of the things that we want to do here. It made it a very easy decision. I want to say this and look, had I like put this on Twitter, which I thought about doing at one point, I'd have gotten roasted for being a suck up and I get it. That's why I'll say it here instead, because it's a really captive audience who's going to get where I'm coming from. So Friday was the Hall of Honor banquet, right? And we had a we had an email go out earlier in the week that, hey, Friday at 1130, anybody that could, you come. we're going to go to the club level and help set this thing up. When I walked in the office Friday and I had, to, I had a meeting scheduled with Jeff Purinton, I walked in and he had shorts on. And I immediately knew what that meant. That come time to go set those tables and chairs up for the banquet. Not just was he in the middle of doing that, but his wife Julie came up and was in the middle of it too. And I thought, yeah, it's it's pretty neat. That's not going to be the situation everywhere. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, attention to detail, and I mean, I think it just goes back to just basic concept of I'm I'm not going to ask somebody on our staff to do something that I wouldn't do. And I tell our staff all the time from any basic job responsibility that we have. I could be out on the road visiting people in Little Rock, Memphis, St. Louis, wherever, but if that receptionist is not there to answer the phone or if someone gets a bad experience calling our office, that's the first line of communication. And that could really sway someone one way or the other that's either not a donor or that is a donor that could really put them off. So every single bit of opportunity that we have, every responsibility, every job that we all take on as a staff is very important. So yeah, it's it's definitely... When you see the athletic director doing some of those things, it sets the tone for the rest of the department. Obviously, you're still getting acclimated in a lot of ways, but what have you figured out so far in your first couple of months? I've figured out that I do not want to be a 38-year-old freshman, which is how I feel sometimes living in my <laughs> living in my temporary housing dorm, even though I'm very, very thankful for the free living, and I've been working a lot of long hours, so I haven't spent a whole lot of time there, but I think opportunity is, is really what I've learned a lot about here, and people will be seeing us a lot more once we can get a game plan of some different things that we have and that we want to implement on the fundraising side. But when you look at alignment from top to bottom with, you know, Dr. Shields being brand new, Jeff being brand new, me being brand new, a lot of other people in our department, including Brad over here being brand new. 
I think we have such a good combination of experience from other outside entities that we can all bring to the table. And I think with us having as close to a blank slate as I can see, I mean, that was one of the selling points of the job that we can come in and, like we said, implement some things, try to put some stuff together to get Arkansas State back to where it was, but even take ourselves to new heights. So I think in the little bit of time that I've been here, you know, I'm hoping to, I'm trying to schedule as many meetings as I can to get out and see people in the community. And uh, the more that I do that, I think the more it drives me, because like I said before, we're very fortunate to have a fan base that cares here. Yeah, I was going to talk about the exact same thing he just talked about with all the new. I mean, from really even the chancellor, for that matter, to the AD, to the you know the, the head of development and the, the head of marketing, not just being that new, but being that new and all showing up when we showed up relative to football. You kind of just got to get in there and hang on and then kind of get through this thing, tweak what you can tweak along the way. And then once the once you kind of get that in rear view, you can come up implementing things your way yeah and i mean i feel like our spring cleaning list of things that we want to look at and you know things that you know when you got a lot of new people coming in well why have we done it this way or have we thought about doing this or you know someone's upset why are we doing this we're all ears right now i mean we're all taking a step back whether it be football basketball some of the other fall sports and really taking it all in and not coming in and just implementing change for the sake of change. Those are things that we want to make sure that we're doing what's right for the university and the athletic department. And obviously at the forefront of that for our student athletes. And we're talking to donors, fans right now about just the top priorities as far as what you're trying to accomplish right now. What are some of those projects you're looking at? Yeah, we asked at the last head coaches meeting for every head coach and their sport administrator to get me a list of their top two priorities that their programs need by the end of this week. So that way, Jeff and I can look at some things in November, figure out what's really important, maybe start looking at what some things are going to cost. And then hopefully after January, when we're out meeting with people, we've got a menu of items that we can put in front of people. So if someone says, you know what, I'm passionate about volleyball. Well, here's what Coach Gerwig needs. Or if someone wants to do something for men's golf, okay, well, here's what Coach Hagen needs. Because I think having a plan like that, we could go out and start asking people for money, but the follow-up question is going to be, well, where do you need it? And right now, we don't have an answer to that question, nor do we have information to it. So mm-hmm. I think some of the obvious things, I mean, baseball needs some, definitely needs some love. Um, uh, I'm, I'm the sport administrator for baseball in addition to golf. I played baseball, grew up there. I've got a couple friends, one of my closest friends I grew up playing with, the head coach at Troy. They're doing a $12 million renovation to their stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, it's already nice. And it's already very nice. So we need to invest in baseball. I mean, I think when you look at how good the conference is in a lot of sports, baseball is one of those ones where we need to be on par and, you know, we need to show that we're committed. And then I think from there it kind of trickles down. You know, some coaches need some things with their locker room, the track and field and soccer complex. If we're going to try to host Sunbelt with Coach Patchell in 2024, we need to get bleachers and lights out there. So all these things ranging from, you know, $50,000 for this all the way up to $5 million for something else. That's what we hope to put in front of people once we have the timing right and once we've done our research. From a challenges standpoint, and I mean, I don't even know there's a question here, but there are certain things everybody in your job is dealing with. Attendance was already a struggle a lot of places pre-COVID. COVID ramped that up. Mm-hmm. All right, so those are things you're dealing with from attendance and, and then trying to get. And then there's fighting the overall mindset of not just having people invest when it's good. 
is trying to get them to, if you invest, it's going to get good faster than waiting for it to be good and then kick in because that sounds like a good way to save your money forever. Yeah. And I think the mindset that we try to look at is whether we're 10 and two or two and 10, we've still got to pay the scholarship bill. Those student athletes are still putting out all the effort that they can to make sure that, you know, we're successful and that we're winning football games, baseball games, basketball games, whatever. But I think adding to that point, I think one thing that we really need to try to do a good job of, and, you know, we were able to do it, it, it's very, very tough to do, but to get people thinking philanthropically and to get people thinking that, yes, it's very important to buy tickets and to come to the games, but if you live in St. Louis, you, you don't need to get season tickets. You can come back for a game, but that's not the only way that you can invest in our programs. You can support and it not be transactional, and here are the ways to go about doing that. So I think really getting people to think outside the box of outside of thinking of wins and losses, which obviously are very important, but knowing that if we can provide a memorable experience for those people and really show the meaning behind the purpose of what we're doing and get them thinking that, okay, well, regardless of you know who wins, who loses for whatever sport that they're supporting, they're investing in those student athletes and in, and in the department then hopefully we're doing a good job of stewarding those people and making sure that they're feeling, you know, all warm and fuzzy about what we're trying to accomplish here. What's your favorite thing about Jonesboro so far? Well, because of the proximity of my uh, of my housing, I've I'm, my goal is I told my wife to try everything at J Towns on the menu before <laughs> I get here, which count, contradicts me trying to drop 15 pounds of weight <laughs> since I've been here, but good luck with that. Yeah. 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 Especially during football season when, you know, you put in 20,000 steps a day, 10 miles walking around, seeing people shaking hands, but it doesn't help if you're eating like crap. So <laughs> you mentioned your family. Tell us about them. Yeah. So my wife, Jenny and I will, will be uh, coming up on our 12 year anniversary in November. Thankfully it's on a bye week So um, I'll fly back after the South Alabama game to see them for Halloween in Morgantown will be the last thing I last thing I do up there before the moving truck comes in November. And then we have two boys. Uh, our oldest is Max. He's eight. He just turned eight in March. And then Jake, uh, he is six, and he turned uh, six back in June. So ready to see him. Excited to see them. Obviously, they're all really jacked up to get down here. I feel like you know you still can do some of those things. FaceTime's great. I don't know how people can do FaceTime or have, have long distance relationships with family or loved ones or whatever without having FaceTime. But my kids are also at the age where they're on their devices. They don't want to talk to dad. They'd rather go play with their friends, which I fully respect. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brandon, it's great to have you here at Arkansas State. We appreciate you swinging by today and hanging out with us for a little bit. Sounds good. Appreciate all you guys do for us and look forward to many fruitful years here in Jonesboro. That's Brandon Cunningham joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We've got more to come right after this. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort what a hug would sound like if it made a sound and that's when you realize you're home really really home realize your dream with a home loan from simmons bank dreams realized simmonsbank.com member fdic equal housing lender subject to credit approval wrapping things up here on the second to none podcast presented by simmons bank taking a look at the rest of what's going on and 
A-State Athletics this week. Now, you go back to this past week, the volleyball team dropping their two matches to South Alabama Thursday and Friday. They're going to be home again this Friday at 6 and then Saturday at 1, hosting Troy as they try to find a way to get back in the win column. Yeah, I mean, it's just been tough for them, right? I mean, and it seems like those losses come in a variety of ways, but this is an investment, right? In in terms of like Coach Gerwig has seen this program at a championship level, feels very confident in his plan of what it takes to get back to that championship level. And you know, I I love still going to watch this team play. It if they're having a hard time getting up the, the key point or two here, kind of go their way, but they're they're fun to watch. Volleyball is a sports fun to watch. So hopefully, yeah, I think we still get nice little volleyball crowds out there come support this team. So I'm sure that'll be the case again this weekend. Soccer team won their fourth in a row last Thursday, a 3-1 to home victory over the Cajuns. They saw that win streak snapped on Sunday as they went to Monroe, lost to ULM 2-1. to But they're 4-2 and in conference, in second place in the Western Division, I think just a point behind yeah. first place Texas State. Texas State at 4-1-1, and the Red Wolves at... Four yeah, and so two. Yeah, after the Thursday matches, you know, it actually gone back to first in the West there briefly, and it swung back around after Sunday's results. So, yeah, rounding into form. They'll be back home this Sunday as they host Georgia State at noon. Georgia State in second place in the East right now, so that'll be a good matchup coming up. The next two Sundays, you know, this weekend and then next weekend, actually next Sunday is their senior day. Plus, a Thursday at the home soccer match, right? It also doubled as the opportunity to announce the 2022 A-State Family of the Year. Oh, it yeah? happened to be family of an A-State soccer player. It was the Stotts family. How about that? The Arkansas State Family of the Year for 2022. Well, they have uh, been Arkansas State fans for a very long time. Well, you know, Darby's on the soccer team. Yeah. She's the, the third of the daughters to go through. She'll be, there'll be five for five Arkansas State alums when she finishes up. All five were involved in Greek life at A-State. And But between them, SAB and student government and this and that, I mean, from Jeff and Karen and all three girls, so a well-deserved honor. Yeah, Haley Stotts, uh, former SGA president at Arkansas State as well. We talked with Brandon Cunningham a little while ago about the Bubba Barnett intercollegiate, which is happening as we record this over at Ridgepoint. But we'll recap that event for the men's golf team on next week's podcast. And we'll do the same with the women's golf tournament. They're playing the Lady Red Wolves Classic as we record this over at Sage Meadows. So hopefully a lot of good things to report from that. And then, of course, the football team right back in action this Saturday, as they travel to Southern Miss, this will be the first of two straight weeks on the road. Southern Miss this Saturday, they'll be in Lafayette next Saturday. But uh, big game coming up against the Golden Eagles. Kickoff at 6. Our coverage on the EAB Red Wolf Sports Network from Learfield starts at 4. Game also will be televised on ESPN+. Plus. But look, this is the first meeting between these two schools since 2008. And and I'm sure you and I have had this conversation at some point over the years. It's a little strange that it's been that long between meetings because it's not just football. I mean, it it's across the board. I mean, basketball, baseball, it's been at least that long since these two teams, these two schools have met. And 
it's really not that far of a trip. I mean, you know, a little over five hours to get down to Hattiesburg. Of course, I think a lot of our fans remember the bowl game in 2005, that New Orleans Bowl, which was played in Lafayette. And then that was actually the first of three meetings in four years in football. But that was it. I mean, so mm-hmm. this will be the first time in 14 years we'll, we'll see Southern Miss. Right. This is the one new addition to the West Division, right? The East got all these new teams and these different places that people can drive That's right. to. This is what we got, right? This is now the second closest <laughs> Sunbelt team for it's, us. So It uh, seems a little crazy that they're the second closest at five and a half hours away. But Yeah, and that's not everybody else's fault. Like, right, geographically, we're being out. We're, we're the outlier in that deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas State, really. But uh, still, this is a game that you can get in your car and get to. And I know we've got fans going to do that. Their fans can do that. I like having Southern Miss in this league. And, and I think it's the first of, I mean, what I think is two winnable road games for Arkansas State. I think we should have seen enough at this point to know that there should not be a shocking result in the Sunbelt Conference because, quite honestly, at this point, nothing should shock you. Not after we saw Texas State beat Appalachian State over the weekend. <laughs> That's right. And I think that just goes to show you where this league's at right now. Just You're right. There there are no off weeks, no easy contests for anybody. You know, talking about the Southern Miss thing, we need to file this away here with hoops coming. We need to get Connor McNellis, you know, the, the A-State women's assistant on here because he's going to square off against his mom in Sunbelt play. She's the head coach <laughs> at Southern Miss. Well, we need to get Connor on, on the show that week. Yeah. Looking forward to the game again. Kickoff at 6 o'clock Saturday at Southern Miss. Anything you need to talk about before we get out of here? <sighs> well, I mean, there's lots of things we could talk about. I'll say this because it pops up maybe in my notifications the most. And listen, I want people to tweet at me, especially with ideas, suggestions. And not, I'm not promising you we'll try every one of them, but I want to hear every one of them, right? And we'll start. But let me tell you the one I don't have to have anymore because I, I, I we know. Understand that student section attendance is not what anybody wants it to be. You know why I know that? Because I got eyes, <laughs> and I look that way. And and so so let me first of all say before we talk about all the ones that aren't there, let me give props and pats on the back and shout outs to the ones that are. And a lot of them were wearing pink. Yep. God the bless other night. them. Keep it up. I get the sense. I'm just kind of going with what I'm told. I haven't obviously don't ever see it. I, sometimes I feel like I, I get the sense that there are that many students again right behind the stadium that never get into it. I hope that's not the case. And if you hear that all of a sudden everybody shows up one day and all the pines have been chopped down, you will know that I found out that it is the case. <laughs> <laughs> I told somebody today, I said, I'm going to be like the onceler. I'm just going to start getting whack, whack, whack. Bobo it, may be a lumberjack by the time we're <laughs> we're done here. But listen, I want you to know that student section is at the front of a, a lot of people's mind. We stood on the field Saturday after game at the staff talking about students, among other things. And so don't think we, we've not also all taken notice of that. And I believe personally i've said before i I can't think of one or stadium or arena in sports in college sports where the student section is loud and crazy and really good and the rest of the arena is not to me if the student section's really good it's it almost spreads from there like right if you've got a good student section i really do think it's where it starts so they're front of mind 
and you know we're open to ideas and thoughts about you know how to get them there or get them from their tailgate party uh, to the seats as the case might be and if you want to see what a good student section looks like look at what appalachian state has done their student section and their students their reaction after they beat texas a&m that hit social media yeah, and they were was the probably the biggest reason why college game day went to Boone just a few weeks ago. Yep. Search out that video. And like I said, I don't, I certainly here at this stage on this podcast, don't mind being at really an open book because I know that if you're listening to this anyway, and if you're certainly still listening at this point, right, you're invested, you're an Arkansas state person. God mm-hmm. love you. So I'm going to be as open and honest with you as I can here, but you're right. We've talked about it a lot. Their student section is and has been really phenomenal. There are things in our venues we want to do. There are changes we want to make to that student section if they'll show us we're not wasting our time. All right. Especially if it pertains to basketball. There are changes specific to the student section. And the way that arena looks, I want to make as long as I can show it's not just spinning my wheels. We need to see this happen. So hopefully... The students will step up. Again, still three football home games remaining and then a whole basketball schedule coming up as well. Hey, appreciate Brandon Cunningham coming in and joining us. Really enjoyed that visit, and we appreciate you listening, as always, to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.